You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. This true self needs no validation from others. It knows that it's included in a story of love, that it's enough. As we are, we are enough. We don't have to do anything to be enough. It is a very, very calm, steady, centered, grounded self. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. All right, well, welcome to this week's Momentum. Uh, we are so thrilled to be back with you all around Australia. Really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, MomentumAustralia.org is, of course, our website. Uh, after the show, maybe here go and have a, a squeeze around the website and check out a bit more about us. But in the meantime, it is Tim and Des with you. Des, how are you this week, my friend? Are you traveling well? Really good, man. But also, guys, don't forget our Momentum Caroline, which is 1-800-000-MEN. That's 636. You can get help seven days a week, 9 to 11 p.m., um, brought to you by Caroline Communications, uh, who are a ministry in their own right. But Momentum Caroline, 1-800-000-MEN. Thank you, Des. For those moments where life perhaps isn't going super joyfully for you, uh, there is someone you can reach out to confidentially and have a chat. And let's be honest, we all need to do that at times. You know, it was Swiss therapist Carl Jung that said, we spend most of our lives living out of a constructed false self that continually sabotages our freedom. You know, on the flip side of that, uh, he understood that it also is a true self. However, he said that it's not immediately accessible to our awareness. Okay, so then how do we know if we're living out of a false self? How do we find our true self? We welcome back to Momentum counsellor and our very good friend, Richard Fay. It's great to have you back on Momentum, Richard. It's great to be back with you both and with everyone. Thank you. Richard, this is our third year of Momentum. Isn't that amazing? It's and gone you, fast. And you were one of the first people we interviewed. And here we are, you know, in our third year. So thank you for being so faithful, man. And thank you for carrying carrying this on. It's great work. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Richard. Look, you've always had so much to share on the show. And uh, this, is a, this is an interesting one. This perhaps might be news to some guys, people listening, the false self, the true self. I suppose let's start by defining those. How do we describe exactly what is a false self and what's a true self? Really good questions. And uh, it it is actually a conceptual way of understanding our awareness of ourselves. And so our ordinary awareness or our unconscious awareness, we stumble through life thinking we are who the noise in our head says we are. Mm. Uh, And that noise can sometimes be helpful and sometimes very unhelpful. You idiot. Why did you do that? (laughs) Nothing good will happen. This always happens to me, whatever that dialogue is. Or I've got to get this right. Or I'm better than those people. I'm so much better. They'll, They'll be sorry. Any of that dialogue, all of that noise that ties us up in knots, makes us angry, makes us feel depressed, makes us feel stuck, uh, makes us feel like a victim. Any of that language. Mm. Wow. Or even the language that says, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, and, and I've got to keep ahead of and I've got to catch up. Uh, other people are getting ahead of me. The, the comparison, the competition, the judging, all of that ordinary awareness is actually not us. That's really interesting. So how did we create that false self? And how does it come about? Just over time or? Well, it develops 
usually around the age of four or five, we leave, and I'm I'm going to just bring a layer of meaning to the the the, the creation story in, in Genesis three. We leave our garden of innocence, and we start forming the knowledge of good and evil, everything good or bad, and we have an attraction to the good. We want that. We mm-hmm. have an aversion to the bad. We don't want that. Whatever we make. And some people have some very bizarre ideas of what good is and what bad is. And, of course, we can have better meanings of good and bad, but it won't matter because it's a striving self for whatever this ideal or idyllic version of us should be. And we're trying to tell the world that's who we are and we're trying to make ourselves be that person. And so what happens is in the playground, uh, another kid says, my dad's better than your dad and you know, I'm better than you. And of course the teacher says, well, if you don't work hard, you're going to fail this subject. And mum and dad say, well, you didn't do your homework and you didn't tidy up your room. And so we build, build these internal mechanisms about who we have to functionally be. So another way to describe the false self or constructed self is a functional self. I mean, I'm using it right now in the sense that I'm functioning in Mm. this role of bringing some teaching around this topic, but that's not who I really am. Uh, Who I really am is something quite wonderful and and hidden from my ordinary awareness. And we'll come to that in a moment. But this very noisy, very obvious, very present functional or constructed or false self, or if I use words that scripture uses, which is the flesh or the striving self, not the body, I want to get away from any idea that it's the body or, and it can be desires that show up in their body, but usually they're desires that start in the head and in, and in the heart mm. and uh, they take over the body. It's, it's not what the body desires. Their normal desires of the body are quite healthy and normal, but they become unhealthy when they're fueled by thinking and feeling that is destructive based out of this false or constructed self. So how do we know the difference between our false self and our real self. So the easiest way to say it is our true self is a whole lot of C words, calm, caring, centered, constant, connected, connected to others, to God, to ourselves, creative, courageous, grounded in confidence, incredibly clever. Uh, this, This true self needs no validation from others. It knows that it's included in a story of love, that it belongs, always belongs, that it's enough. As as we are, we are enough. We don't have to do anything to be enough. It is a very, very calm, steady, centered, grounded self. Just going to let that sink in. <laughs> I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying that moment. And actually, it's good we did that because the true self is very comfortable in silence. Notice mm. if we're not comfortable in silence. That's the constructed self, the true self. Well, no, there's nothing to fix or change or manage or correct. There's no internal constant judgment or chatter. It's just quiet. So, can we change easily from our false self to our true self? How does, uh, is there a mechanism around that? It's simple, but not easy. Okay. It's simple because it just is invited, invites us to surrender, but it's never easy because <laughs> the ego never goes quiet. My mind is awake even when I'm asleep. I dream. 
my mind never shuts up. Never, ever, ever. It's always chatter, 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 chatter. All the time. So forget the whole idea of some, if you hear, you know, meditation is going to some Zen space of silence. Well, that's garbage. This is not the point. It's actually to move towards love. Always the point is to move towards a love that's beyond us. Of course, I use the language of scripture to define that, the love of God in Christ Jesus. But it is that grounded sense of being safe and enough as I am. Now, here's the key. Here's the clincher. The false self believes that it will achieve what it sets out to achieve, but it can't because it lives in alienation from truth because it's an orphan. It's a story that only exists between our two ears. There's no one else running your story, just you. And wherever you go, if you go into the workplace and you think, oh my goodness, imposter syndrome, they're all looking at me. I'm not a man. They're all men. I wish I was like them. And they're all thinking that. No, they're not. They're probably, (laughs) they're not thinking that about you. They're probably thinking it about themselves. (laughs) (laughs) In other words, we all carry these false selves around. And so humiliation or a sense of failure or frustration is the invitation into a true self. In other words, if I feel, oh, no, this always happens to me, that's my aha moment. Ah, Look at my false self trying to do its merry dance to make to fix me, to make me enough. I already am. I'm whole and complete, loved and secure. There's, that's my knowledge that I'm living out of a false self because it's not working and that it's not working as I have these aversions, which is anger, frustration, uh, dread, and, uh, and anxiety. And, and attractions, lust, craving, snatching, grasping. Those two basic polarized energies are evidence to say, yeah, this false self is just doing what it always does and it will never work. Mm. God, can't, mm. God can't see our false self because we wrote this and it's a fiction. It's not the truth. Yeah. It's a fiction we've been yeah. writing since we were four or five years old. There's there's a poem uh, by Robert Bly who wrote uh, an extraordinary um, uh, work in the 1980s uh, around men's work. He, he is the father of the modern men's movement. He died only a couple of years ago. And he says, there's a boy in you about three years old who hasn't learned a thing in 30,000 years. <laughs> yes. He says things like stay home, avoid elevators. Yeah. He's trying to keep you alive, and because of him, you survived a lot. Mm. He has six big ideas, and five don't work. Right now, he's repeating them to you over and over. Wow. It's one wow. source of bad information is the name of that poem, if you want to look it up. Wow. That's, right. that's, that's amazing. That's powerful. Richard, um, I mean, I have so many questions, but let's <laughs> let's just try and find one that keeps us on track. I mean um, – I suppose for guys listening, particularly guys listening, we're speaking into this space. I mean, you mentioned a few things there about how the false self shows up. If we want to take a moment and take stock and take inventory of where that might be more prevalent in our lives, i.e. that this false self shows up on a more regular basis than we would perhaps initially recognize or then when we recognize that we would like, which is indicative that something needs to change. Um, How do we how do we start that process? I mean, obviously when we're going through life, there's going to be these moments where this happens, but do we, is it better to catch it in the moment or is it better to sit and, 
and try and have an awareness piece and go, okay, let, let me now I've got some idea around this. Let, let me look at a kind of a broad spectrum of my life and see where I might be operating out of my false self. Yes, it's good to become more and more aware of everything that we've construed because what we do is we get a feedback loop. We, if, if, for example, the boss says, I'm sorry, I'm really not happy with that work you've done. What do we do with that energy? Do we mm. blame ourselves? Do we get angry with the boss? Do we get angry with our partner, our wife? Do we get angry with the kids, you know, kick mm. the cat syndrome? What do we do with that energy and notice? What does it say? Because that's a false self. The functional self or the constructed self isn't good enough. So I've got to go on another renovation project because the boss isn't happy. Mm. And, and I've tried my absolute best and therefore I'll conclude I'm not enough. So the invitation is always a little, un always uncomfortable, always. But the invitation is the only way in. Now, here's the, here's the thing for men and women. Women, it's much more comparison. Women will say, you know, do, do I look good in that dress? Does, 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 does my makeup look good? Am I, are my kids behaving as well as other people's kids? Constantly comparing themselves to other women. Men, much more likely to go into competition. So rivalry becomes a way in which we try to diffuse the tension of the false self feeling like it's not enough. Wow. Uh, and at school, it's, you know, it's an arm wrestle or it's, you know, some absurd competition, mm. but it becomes much more ubiquitous. I'm owning as much money. Uh, you know, do I have enough degrees? Do I, is my house as big? Do I have a car and a boat? And, uh, you know, that, that silly, silly game uh, mm. that we play that makes a man feel like, I must be a man because I've kicked, I've ticked these boxes, I've kicked these goals. So competition with men, and you'll notice it when you get into a social space and men start talking about their careers, yeah, and they start talking about their accomplishments and their achievements, and it looks like they're so secure and so successful, but they're not. Otherwise, they wouldn't talk about them because the true self is quiet. Yes. The right. false yes. self is constantly promoting itself. Right. So the man who's who's in that public space going, well, you're not going to believe the contract I landed last week. You know, it's six figures and oh, I'm on I'm on a trajectory right now. You kind of feel this inner – and, of course, men can be very subtle and very creative in the ways they do it. <laughs> oh, we're buying an pro investment property and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and you start feeling like, oh, I'm so far behind the eight ball here. But you actually mm. think that because that's what he feels. He's projected it onto you. Yeah, because wow. he's telling you what he wants you to believe because he believes something else. Wow. He believes I have wow. failed. And these are the only trinkets I've got to tell me I'm enough. Wow. So may I ask them, Richard, I mean, that's powerful. That is powerful. I love that example. But then can I ask, how do we, how do we have the tension, right, of I'm, I'm living in my true self. There's comfort. There's calm. There's all of those other words that we talked about. And yet the truth is that we may feel internally like there's more to our lives, like we can press on for more. I mean, you know, Scripture talks about us going from strength to strength and, and, and not that we need to have a plethora of other things like a bigger house and more car and more money and all those sorts of things, but that we just genuinely feel like there's something in our lives or in our hearts that we are to aim for, not necessarily to strive for, but it's, there's something being placed one would say perhaps a God-given calling in our life that would require us to reach for, shall we say, more in inverted commas. How do we hold that tension then of keeping that space while feeling internally that there is something more that I am to reach for? Yes. So there is this uh, 
this inner delight or creative desire. It's, oh, I could do this, or the world needs this. I'm I'm here to make a difference in this space. There's something really on my heart. It's usually about others. Hmm. That's that's normally a giveaway for the true self is so compassionate and caring that it sees. But it's not out of if I do this for others, oh, then I'll get acceptance and 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 love and favor. No, no, I'm doing this because I have acceptance and love and failure, uh, yeah. acceptance and love and and belonging. So I, I talk about horse and cart, and the problem is the false self is often the cart before the horse. And whereas we need to turn it around, whereas if it's fear or striving or I have to be, I must be, I should be, uh, then it's a problem. There's there's a a song, the Skyhooks, back in the 1980s, 1970s, living in the 70s. um, They had a song, Ego is Not a Dirty Word. And uh, it's it's funny. I want I want to get away from the perspective that our constructed self is bad, even if it's false. It's not bad if it's secure. In other words, God did put me on this planet to make a difference. I have something. I have strength and ability and gifts that were given me by God. Now they say, don't say that I'm better than anybody because there's no mm-hmm. no one to compete with. But I in myself am loved and enough. And so I need a, an, a, a, calm, a calm, grounded ego is quite solid. In other words, it doesn't need validation. It doesn't need support. But it's the cart coming after the horse. And the horse is always relational. Yeah. yeah. The horse is always relationship with God. Relationship with God and my deepest, truest self. As a man, I'm enough. Is there a sense in which the two can come together? If you know what I'm trying to say. So your false self and your real self come together as one because they've got the same motivation, the same drives. They can in moments and it's quite wonderful when you uh, when you aim for something because there's something deep inside you that God by his spirit put in you to to aim for and and you you re- you see it realized and you yeah. celebrate it. Mm. And you get affirmed, and you're grateful for the generosity of the hearts of the people around you who are affirming you. Mm. And in that moment, your ego is able to hold all that affirmation without tipping into "I'm better than you," because yes. Yes. the horse and the cart are, are coupled. Mm. The, the, the only the only use the cart has if it's linked to the horse. You can't plow a field if the cart's not if the if the if the plow isn't connected, connected to the horse. Mm. Um, you can't transport anything if the if the the cart isn't connected to the horse, um, and so it, the coupling is the is the key point, and that's a really good observation, Des. So mm. noticing fear, anger, uh, and, and striving tells me the coupling's broken, and I'm trying to reattach it using the strength of the cart, not the nobility of the horse. Mm. Oh. Richard, I'm really curious as we go to a break about this uh, this idea of then the false self and how that can affect. We've talked about it how, how it affects us, but how, how that affects those around us when we operate out of that space. And I think we should come back and talk about that after the break. You are listening to Momentum, by the way, all around Australia, MomentumAustralia.org. And our special guest is Richard Fay. Understanding self is our topic this week. Uh, come back and we'll uh, continue this with Richard Fay in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. 
All right, well, welcome back to Momentum in this week's show. Uh, Timmy Day is with you, and our special guest this week is counsellor and good friend Richard Fay. RichardFay.com.au, by the way, is his website. Maybe check that out after the show, RichardFay.com.au. And our website too, MomentumAustralia.org. I encourage you to have a squeeze around there after the show as well. You know, we talk about some incredible things on the show, and uh, this subject that we're talking about today, understanding self, you know, I, I, I find this stuff fascinating. I think the better we understand ourselves the better we can just show up in life in general. And that's what we're talking about, our false self versus our true self. And Richard, we've explored a bit about what that looks like, how we can perhaps identify where we might be operating out of the false self. We did that in the first part of the show. I want to come back and hear your story in just a moment. But before we do that, can we just quickly explore the relationship when we operate out of our false self and our relationships? So the relationship when we... Uh, have that false self when we're not operating out of our true self, how does that affect, not just obviously the way that we show up, but how we then interact with other people and particularly our close relationships? Well, what's the effect of that on those? So there are four energies that we use to dissipate or try to dissipate. Of course, we're never successful with any of these energies. Try to dissipate the poverty that we feel, perennially feel in our false self. Because remember, it's a poor identity. It's not who you are. It's not who I am. Because it's a poor identity, uh, it will never function as an identity. It will only operate in a functional world. So let me explain what these four energies are. The first one is rivalry. I talked about that earlier, competition that men go to. The second one is is jealousy. I want what you've got, and if you've got it, I can't have it, so I'm going to get it so you don't have it, and you're going <laughs> to suffer, and I'm going to be better. The third one is envy. Oh, if I only had what you had. You can have it. You deserve it, but I wish I had it too, and if I had it, then I'd be great. And the, the last is uh, this idolize, idolization. We turn uh, a person or, a, or an object into uh, a, a demigod. Uh, you know, I, I idolize this or you. Um, if I had, oh, here's one for a man in his 50s. If only I was retired. If only I was retired, oh my goodness, everything would be wonderful. I idolize retirement. <laughs> Until that man gets to retirement and he's bored and frustrated yeah. and feels like he's got nothing left in his life. <laughs> no one rings him up and he doesn't get any emails and he doesn't matter to anybody. And he wonders, I wish I was working again. You see what happens? Yeah. So those are the four energies. We believe that if we could get any of these, are all fictions. We get any of these four realized, we'd be home. Yes. And that's that's the illusion that there is some place called home, whereas mm. the true self sits in emptiness as just another thing. In other words, Jesus did not come into the world to teach us to be like God. We we're already spiritual beings. He came into the world to show us how to be human. He experienced every human emotion, whether it's frustration, despair, abandonment, loneliness, joy, grief, all of the emotions that we feel, he felt. And in all of them, he accepted that emotion as saying nothing about who he is. And there's a reason why. Before he says or does a single thing, there's a voice that comes from heaven that says, this is my beloved son mm. in whom I'm chuffed. Yeah. I'm well pleased. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember the translation that says chuffed, but no, we'll go with no, it. No, that's the, that's the RSV, Richard Standard Version. And, 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 and it's, it's a validation of his intrinsic worth and value as a beloved son of God without 
having performed in any way to achieve that identity. It's gifted to him by his heavenly father. Wow. And, and it's witnessed by others. It's beautiful. And I often say to a man who would come to me for counseling, what is your identity? And they'd look at me sideways like a dog as if they didn't understand the question. And I go, what is your true identity? And it's always relational and it's always gifted. You are a beloved son of God. Mm. And so we rest in that and we experience ourselves as whole and complete without any need for renovation in that. Learning to do that is learning to live out of the true self. Wow. That's, That's very powerful. Can I just say in the 23 years, I think it is that I've been a Christian, I've never heard that that phrase that you just said, God didn't send Jesus to help us to be more like him. He sent him to teach us what it was to be human. I've never heard that. He's the last Adam, according to Paul. And in other words, he's the, he's the prototype because he came before Adam. This is what God intended us to be. Jesus is the wonderful discovery of, of, of the nobility of being human, made in the image of God and loved by God. Mm. Wow. That's huge. That's profound. We, we so often think it's the whole project is to get us to heaven, and yet Jesus t- said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Mm. We, we, get, we get the whole thing backwards. And because, of course, if, if I've got to get to heaven, then easily I can come back into the false self and think I've got to do something, achieve something. Yes. And that becomes an ideal. Yeah. You know, am I doing enough? And fear then gets in. Right. Yes, that's exactly right. And with respect, how many times do we see that operating in churches? Yeah. So often. Yeah. Uh, Richard, I mean, do you, uh, you're talking about these things, but I know in your world it hasn't always been smooth sailing. And, and you've had to navigate this at a personal level rather than, you know, just talking about it. Can you talk to us about how you went through that journey? In 2009, I had a uh, rather cataclysmic burnout, uh, which plunged me into depression. And I had lost all ability to be able to function in my role. I was senior pastor of a church at the time, a successful church, and everything was going well. Uh, I had run out of steam in my constructed self. I had used my my false or constructed self as an identity. And let me tell you, it was shiny and it worked. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people came every Sunday to hear me preach. I got validation left, right, and center. And there was a moment in time where I heard a voice, they love you for what you do, not for who you are, because even you don't truly and deeply love you for who you are, and you don't know my love for who you are. Wow. You're too noisy, wow. too busy, too distracted wow. to wow. be fully present to that. And I am now going to invite you and of course, I tried everything I knew. To people, and, and I went to people, try praying more, read the word more, go to church, go do a retreat, go on a conference. I, I got more advice than I'd ever heard at how to get my life back together, and none of it was helpful. The invitation was subtraction. In other words, I had to subtract the false self as an identity to discover a true self. It meant spending a lot of time in nature because you'll find that nature has no false self. It just Mm. gets on with being Mm. Uh, more time in, in true prayer where I wasn't asking God for any miracle, uh, but learning to listen to God, search me and know me 
Psalm 139, seek out any way in me that is mm. does not is not pleasurable and therefore to you and therefore not life giving to me. Lead me in the everlasting way. I, I learned to listen, to be, to be quiet and present to all the difficult emotions in me and slowly surrender them all to love, to God. Mm. And and gradually, like like sediment in a in a turbulent creek, slowly settles to the bottom of that creek, and then you're left with clear running water. The clarity returned. I returned to health. It took me two years. Wow. It was not quick. And I, I, I was frustrated because, of course, my, my false self has an agenda. Always, you know, it, it's microwave self. It's come on now. Do it now. <laughs> yes. Come on. I mean, my false self is in, eternally impatient. Yeah. My true self, like God, is abundantly patient. Yeah. So how do you maintain that when you find your true self and you know who your identity is in Christ, etc.? How do you maintain that and don't slip back into a mindset of, you know, your your um your false self? I'm going to return to the gospels and over and over and over you see Jesus withdrew to a lonely place to yeah. pray. Yeah. And I think Lonely is a really good word because when you are lonely or alone, you can't be validated. There's nothing to achieve or perform. There's nothing to build. There's nothing to prove, evaluate, test. And therefore, it's got to be away from the, the false self's uh, props that help make it feel like it's doing a good job or that there's something to do. So withdrawing to a lonely place, a place which feels for at least at first to the false self as distressing or disturbing. And then you meet the false self and go, hello, I know you're having a bit of a spin out right now because you're used to uh, reasserting yourself as me, but you're not me. And I notice you're doing your little merry dance inside me (laughs) and I'm going to let you, but I'm not going to return to my busy, noisy life until you've settled and I've got some clarity, some quietness in me some groundedness in me, some reflective space, some awareness of what it really matters. Like funny that a, a, a woman would teach a bunch of men, but at Jesus' feet there's Mary choosing the better thing that will not be taken from her. Mm. We're all le- Martha's in the kitchen making up <laughs> a noise. And, and the men are probably sitting around Mary going, what is she doing here? Women don't belong here. Mm. She had some access to something deeper and truer. Wow. Richard, I just want to take a step back, and I think this will lead us into the final final moments of the show. But um, that moment where everything fell apart for you, um, and we're de- deconstructing the false self, right? Um, I want to put another spin on that, and and ask from a from a, a man perspective, from an Australian man, when you're at, I, th- I, th- I think you're in your forties at that stage, uh, and and that happens to you. What part of that little microwave thing is, oh, but I've got to get back on the horse straight away. What part of that is you perhaps feeling ashamed that this happened to you, that you let this happen to you, that you weren't good enough, that, you know, there's millions of other men that don't go through burnout, but I've gone through burnout and maybe I'm not man enough even in that because now look, look, I've, I've failed and I've burnt out. I haven't, you know, now I can't provide for my family and now I can't be this and that and the other. What part of all of that sort of thinking was happening for you? Here's the wonderful gift of this teaching. The wonderful gift of this teaching is the louder 
the humiliation, the more uh, catastrophic the feeling or sense of failure is, the more gold-edged, guilt-plated the invitation into the true self is. Mm. Because the true self is unaffected by any of that. So Mm. if you've fallen from a great height, (laughs) as I had, then the, the the invitation into the true self is more wonderful and more just as more challenging than ever, but more wonderful because it's there. In other words, it doesn't matter how bad you stuff up. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. If, if imagine a politician has some terrible moral failure and it's in the newspapers and on the news and 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 they make some bold pro- they might go to prison for it and they come out of prison and they go, I'm going to be virtuous, I'm going to be this great leader and so on. You know, it's still a false self. They're reasserting some sense of dignity or worth based on their own value, and it's it's just too loud. Mm. Whereas the the beautiful thing is is that if you fall from a great height, then you you fall into the arms of love. What a wonderful place to get to. The problem, of course, is yes, you're right, Timothy. That is the problem. You you, you go. I have failed. At, uh, at an extraordinary level, in the sense that there are now hundreds, perhaps thousands of people who know of my 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 failure. I can't even show my face in public again. Uh, my my name is mud. Uh, I've disappointed so many people. All of that's the false self. All of that's the constructed self. In other words, it, 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 the Apostle Paul experiences this on the road to Damascus, and. Uh, and then you'll see it over and over in stories if you listen to people who found wisdom uh, right back to Augustine. And I could keep naming names right through history. People who found wisdom and truth usually come from a great humiliation. The small humiliations that the false self says, oh, I can fix that. Mm-hmm. Or patch. And, and it's plastering over the cracks. I'll patch mm-hmm. it. I'll patch it. I can, I can yeah. still make it work. It's when it really <laughs> fails, when the wheels fall off the cart entirely, you can't, don't keep trying to drag the cart <laughs> around because now it's just heavy, heavy, heavy all yeah. the way. Wow. it's yeah. good. And, good. And so advice to men who are, you know, maybe they're on that journey of discovering their true self. Uh, what advice would you give to them in terms of how they can either avoid it or how they can overcome it. I want to say one thing here is that we will never overcome or defeat our false selves. Mm. The only part of us that believes we can is our false self. Uh, and that's its that's its favorite it's, narrative. Yeah. Oh don't oh false self or gives me a project to do. I can beat that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as a as one uh, psychotherapist once in a, in a in a large auditorium um, said I used to be a narcissist, but I've overcome it yes. to, 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 to thousands of people, yes. which which means he hasn't. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the great irony yeah, that's is right. uh, is anything that we have to proclaim or, or think that we've achieved is just a reinforcement of the same system. Right. In other words, there's a there's a gentle sense of humor towards our full self or compassion, compassionate humor. There you go again, Richard. Oh, how look at that! But you know what? It's okay. You're loved. Mm. It's okay. You're loved. All of you. The, the false self is not hated by God. It, God can't see it, but God has compassion for us as we try to uh, try to knock ourselves senseless, achieving our lives mm. as if as if life was something to be achieved. 
Yeah. It's saying you keep going, you keep kicking against the goads, you keep trying to make it work. It's not working, is it? I love you here. It's okay. You are loved in this space, but it won't ever work. And so now my false self shows up and usually within minutes I have a bit of a chuckle yeah. and go, oh, it wasn't comfortable when it showed up. Sometimes I have to ask God to remind me to see the little humiliation so I don't try to use them as projects to fix myself, but come back to it. Yeah. We are out of time for this week's show. Um, we've had uh, an incredible conversation with Richard Fay. Hopefully you've enjoyed that as much as we have. richardfay.com.au is Richard's website. I encourage you to check that out through the week. And uh, when the podcast is up, have a re-listen to this as well. There's a lot in this week's show that you can uh, – have a re-listen to, maybe grab a pen and pad and uh, make some notes and, and sit in silence. And that might be a new and very strange and uncomfortable experience for you, but it's a good starting point for finding your true self. MomentumAustralia.org, by the way, is our website. You'll find lots of details there. Richard, one thing I will just say in closing is that I, and I'm sure Des does too, really appreciate the fact that you're very open and honest about your journey. And when we get you back for next week's show, we're going to get you to open up about something that was prevalent in your life as well and maybe still is as something that's a condition that's not really well known in society. I'm going to just park that there and we'll come back with Richard Fay on next week's Momentum. Until then, you have a wonderful week. Take care. God bless. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.